Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Tweeting. Martial arts. Mixed martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? We like them mixed! Yes, the UFC ends their 2022 pay-per-view year in their home base, Las Vegas, Nevada, for UFC 282. And at the end of the night, a new light heavyweight champion will be crowned. Will it be and new or will it be and once again? That question and many others will be answered tomorrow night at the T-Mobile Arena as we welcome you to the UFC 282 live preview show on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Kack. That is Alexander K. Lee. Hello, oh, AK. Hello. Sorry, I was setting up a poll. A poll that needs to be done. Uh, I want to know what people, uh, people think about this main event, this de facto main event that we ended up with, with uh, Jan Blachowicz and... Uh, Magomed and Kalaya, so that poll is coming now. Yes, and you heard the musical stylings of E. Casey Lydon, who we will hear from in a little bit. He will be manning the ones and twos, but AK, last pay-per-view of the year. This is not the original lineup. It's kind of far from the original lineup. This is not the original main event. We lost a lot here. We do have a pretty solid headliner, a vacant title fight at the top. We have the UFC pay-per-view debut of one of the promotion's rising stars and Patty Pimblett, Darren Till, another guy who fans really have some sort of emotional connection to. Darren Till is back after a long layoff and probably the best fight from a competitive sense of the entire weekend is the first fight of the main card. We get some interesting storylines in the prelims as well. I'm going to move my Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee out of the way. There you go. So... Is this a typical December UFC pay-per-view, AK? No, not particularly. But there is a lot to like here for both the hardcore and casual MMA fans. So, gymnastic scale for this card as it stands. It's like an 8.5, it's 8.5, 8.6. Like, it's not bad. And that's like, again, if, if everything goes well, you know, get some, get some, uh, get some memorable uh, fight of the night worthy fights, like two or three of those. Maybe get some finishes on the prelims. Uh, I'm not like, again, I'm not super optimistic we get a ton of finishes, mainly because I think the matchmaking is actually good. Like, I think we have pretty solid, even matchmaking up and down the card. Um, we'll probably talk about this more later. Even like the Jay Perrin, uh, Raul Rosas fight, I think is like, it's more competitive than some people might think, given the hype behind uh, Rosas. So I think it'll be a good card. I might be short on memorable moments. Like, I think that there'll be good competitive fights, which might have people kind of like rolling their eyes because, you know, I don't think decisions are bad. I think this is like we can have a lot of exciting decisions or at least compelling, well, hard fought decisions. But 
a lot of the time when people are talking about card of the year and how much they enjoyed a card, it's usually because there was a healthy amount of highlight reel, not cuts or submissions. And I don't know if that itch is going to be scratched on Saturday. So I'm, I'm kind of keeping my expectations low. I said most most pay-per-views start at a baseline of like nine. You know, that's, that's a UFC level pay-per-view. This one has taken some hits. It was obviously a nine. We had our original main event. Definitely when we had, you know, Bo Nickel on there somewhere. Um, even missing out on the kind of uh, Robbie Lawler not being on the card anymore. Um, uh, Gus OSP and then OSP bringing moving the card. We lost a lot of stuff. So it, it, it would be very difficult to say this is still a nine. I mean, it, w- it would have to be a pretty stacked card. So 8.5, 8.6. I mean, I think you'll get an enjoyable show. Um, but certainly, uh, I, I'd understand that people are still pretty divided on whether they should spend the full 75 dollar roonies on this one it will be capped off by the light heavyweight title fight between jan blahovich and magomed ankalaev currently there is no champion ak yuri brahashka suffers a shoulder injury yuri seems to think it's not as bad as a lot of other people believe it to be dana white says it's one of the worst shoulder injuries he's ever seen Yuri vacates the title on his own, or at least that's how it's been presented to us. Glover Teixeira, who Yuri was supposed to fight for the second time this year, out of the main event altogether after the UFC offered him Magomed Ankalaev. He said, no, if you want me on this card, I'll fight Jan Blahovich. If you want me to fight Ankalaev, I'll fight him in Brazil. So he may be next for the winner here, but folks, if you want our immediate an overall reaction to the shifting here. You can go back into the archives and check that out. But here we are, AK. There's no turning back now. It is Blahovich versus Ankali for the vacant title. Are you into this one on the eve of this card? Yeah, sure. Mainly because again, I'm I'm putting aside that like this wasn't supposed to be in the main event. I mean, this is a fight I was pretty jazzed about when it was the co-main. You know, it was a three-rounder, it was the co-main. Um I still I like it even more as a five round fight. I, I, I'm just you know I would just implore people. I'd say like don't compare it to the Prohachka Toshera rematch. Don't compare it to like the uh, the sort of in the winds John Jones Stipe Miocic fight. Uh, it, it's a great fight on its own. Um, I don't know if I, I I don't particularly care whether it it determines. Um, the you know oh who was the, like the true number one light heavyweight in the world because I'm still thinking that's Yuri I don't think Yuri loses that yet uh, we'll see what ha- how long he's out and what happens in between like if whoever wins tonight you know gets an interim title defense uh, against a top five top six opponent you may have want to move them to the number one spot Vadim Nemkov over in Bellator might be your number one light heavyweight so it, 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 I, that that's something that like if if you if you want to force that as part of the narrative go ahead but I that doesn't make it more interesting for me. I'm looking at it as these are two of the best light heavyweights in the world. Um, they're being put into a position that they didn't ask for, but to which they're certainly welcoming. And of course, we're all hoping they're getting properly compensated for, especially now that it is a title fight. They should get that little title fight boost. Pay-per-view points would be nice. I'm not holding my breath. I don't know if that's in the cards for either of these guys, um, but it should be. They should they should just be paid more. So I, li- I like it from a stylistic standpoint. I like it from... Both guys, and we kind of talked about this on the weigh-in show earlier today, both guys deserve, as much as we don't like to use that word in MMA, both guys deserve a title fight. Jan Blachowicz, a former champion, knocked off Rakic, injury, TKO, whatever, still a solid win. Um, Megamedan Kalaev, maybe the best light heavyweight in the world, 
whether he has a title or not. I mean, the guy has been unstoppable um, since losing his UFC debut, and he's looked good in like every fight he's been in, has rarely been threatened. So he certainly um, should get a shot at the gold. So no problem with the title being on the line. The vacating was Yuri's choice, obviously, right, with some nudging from the UFC. Uh, but the machine's got to roll on. So I, I like this main event a lot, actually. The more that I've actually dove into this fight, the more I think that this one is closer than I initially thought, at least from Jump Street. Because, look, I think a Goliath, clearly the more well-rounded fighter here. Blahovich seems to really like the fact that it's gone from a three-round fight to a five-round fight. We'll see how Ankoliath deals with that, if it gets that far. But honestly, I think Jan can present some stylistic problems here. I mean, I think he needs to find some sort of middle ground between the chaotic Jan Bohovic, who has been successful and sometimes unsuccessful, the sort of let me just get the hell out of here as fast as possible version of Jan Bohovic, and then the Jan who fought Israel Adesanya, who was just incredibly patient. He was laid back. He waited for the moments to come to him. I feel like if he could find some sort of a middle ground between the two, I think this is a much more competitive fight than I initially thought. Do you share my... My overall thoughts on this fight that despite what the betting lines think and despite what a lot of people thought initially, even when this is a three round fight, the more you dive into it, the more you feel like Jan's a little more alive here than we initially thought he was. Yeah, I, I totally think so. I mean, other than to share a fight, which we can all agree was a was was a stink bomb. That was a stink bomb for Jan Blakovich. Um, all credit to, to go over to Shara. Maybe he beats uh, Jan nine times out of 10, nine, nine times out of 100. I don't know. But I really just didn't feel like we got the best Jan Blachowicz that day. Um, and and I, I think he would have put a much much more competitive fight against Glover. And I think the Jan we see on Saturday is going to put up a competitive fight against Magomed Ankalaev. Uh, he's he's just – beyond just the Polish power thing, which by the way is, is a big factor, especially when we're talking about the the, the bigger weight classes – where you really can like hang around um, and and you just need that one big shot. Um, I think Jan has a really really good chance of of on, of, of actually like taking Ankalaev out. Uh, and and it's not just that he's like he just, he's looking to get, he's gonna get lucky. You know, Jan's a great striker. Jan's a great well-rounded mixed martial artist. He knows how to set things these things up. Now against a guy like Ankalaev, who is so technically outstanding on the feet and can also mix in some wrestling when he wants to. Um, it's a lot to ask for, definitely, for him to, to for uh, Jan to just outmaneuver him and just kind of to kind of find that, you know, to manufacture that big finish. But no fighter is perfect. No fighter is perfect in there. And, and Jan is super tough. So he might look down, he might look down to the fight. He might, um, there might be moments where he gets hurt. There might be moments where Ankle Lives just stings him, knocks him down, or takes him down, starts pounding on him. But but Blachowicz is really 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 tough. Is really resilient. Um, so he's definitely in there. I think even for, for the you know if you're if you're rooting for Jan, I wouldn't be like too discouraged if the first two rounds don't go his way. I think the five rounds is actually going to benefit him. Uh, and and like you said, Mike, make this maybe a little more competitive than the odds makers uh, might be thinking. I'm curious what you think about this from an overall business perspective, AK. If you are part of the UFC brass, if you're sitting in one of the big chairs in the big office, do you feel like it's better for the promotion and this division moving forward if Jan Bohovic wins or if Magomed Ankalaev wins? Uh, Jan, just because I re- I enjoy watching Mag- Magomed Ankalaev fight, but he does have a bit of that sort of methodical style 
um, that even when he's at his best, isn't super crowd pleasing. I don't think either guy's like a massive draw. Even when Jan was like, what was the champion and got that big fight with Izzy? I, he, he was the, I feel like he was the B side to the Adesanya fight. I felt that the sheriff fight was again, cool for the hardcores, but not something that's getting like, you know, you know, your, your, your mom and pop talking about it. That doesn't watch MMA. Um, so it's not like a big difference between them, but Magomed, I feel like it's a little bit of a tougher sell. Cause like, even when he looks good, uh, uh, the Uzdemir fight, um, Nikita Krilov, it, it's, it's not like he has this crazy highlight reel. The Anthony Smith win was big. Like if that was the only Ankalaya fight you saw, you would definitely think he's a straight up killer. I mean, that was, that was, a huge, huge fight, and a huge, huge reason why I think I'm okay with him getting this title fight, and probably a bunch of other people are. It's like we said, he needed that signature win. Well, he beats a one-time title challenger. He beats him. He dominates him, and he finishes him. It's not a lot more you can ask for. Um, but outside of that, there are chances that his kind of his personality, his style, might not appeal too greatly to your average fan. Um, but hey, it might not be an issue because no matter who wins. Like I said, Yuri Prashka is going to come back eventually. Glover Teixeira is waiting in the ring, wing, waiting in the wings. Excuse me. At the very least, they have a lineup of compelling challengers ahead. So, I'll, I'll give the edge to Jan for sort of popularity, marketability, likability. But it's not it's not a big gap between them. Yeah, Jamal Hill, another one. If he beats Anthony Smith in March, yep. betting lines, AK, like we talked about, Ankalaev, massive favorite, minus three thirty. The comeback on Jan Bohovic, plus two seventy five. Again, I think wow. this one was closer to that. Minus three thirty suggests a win probability of seventy seven percent for Magomed Ankalaev. What's your pick here? Let me give a very important disclaimer, Mike, and say that uh, I have never picked a Jan Blachowicz fight correctly. I think in his last 10 fights, maybe like two out of 10 his last 10 fights, but you may as well call that never. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, I don't know why I can't get a, a feel for this guy. Eventually, you, you watch a fighter enough. One, you should have an understanding of his abilities. Two, you should get lucky and like pick some of his fights correctly. Somehow, I've defied probability and just keep getting it wrong. So with that said, uh, if you're rooting for Jan, if you're a fan of the Polish power, you want to see him get a win. I apologize ahead of time because I am picking Jan Blachowicz for the upset. So I am so I'm really sorry. I, wa- I was watching their recent fights. I've been reading other people's analysis. I've been listening to podcasts, listening to MMA fighting podcasts. I really believe that Jan can hang in there and that a five-round fight is to his benefit. I, 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 Ankalaev again. Such a technically flawless fighter. But I, I think guys like Jan, maybe it's because I've seen him in title fights. I've seen how he performs under that, that kind of pressure. I think guys like that have another gear. And Kalayev might be there. I mean, look, Mak- Islam Makachev had never fought in a title fight before either. And he looked like the number one pound for pound best fighter in the world when he ran through Charles Oliveira. So I'm using a lot of the same logic here to pick. Blachowicz, maybe I didn't learn my lesson from the Oliveira fight, but I'm sticking to it. I'm going with the uh, with the older fighter, uh, and I'm thinking he's going to pull off a knockout in the uh, in the second or third round. Wow, uh, I do. Think I, I, got, I don't know. Is, I do think Jan is live for sure because he could absolutely crack. And if you go back and watch Magomed Ankalaev's UFC fights. He has been stung before. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. He has been cracked. He has been stung and he has been kind of wobbled a little bit. But Bohovic just has to create that disciplined chaos and keeping it near perfect for 25 minutes against this guy. It's going to be really, really tough, honestly. So I am picking Ankalaev. I am picking Ankalaev to get a finish here, third or fourth round. I just think Ankalaev's ability 
to just not rush into literally anything, I think that strategy is just going to end up paying off because while I think Jan Blachowicz's fight IQ is really, really good and he doesn't get enough credit for it, I do think Jan is going to get a little, not bored, but it's going to put him in a position where he's like, all right, let's do this. And he's going to get a little reckless and I think he gets caught and stops. But I do think this fight up until the point of when the fight is over is going to be much more competitive than the betting line suggests. So give me, uh, give me ankle. Live to, to win the title gets to finish third or fourth round. But if your prediction is true, AK, if that's what happens, would not surprise me one bit. So let's our viewers, go to the cold our viewers say, our viewers say 50. Oh, the, uh, see you're, you, you were right ahead. You, see, this is why we're best friends. You're way ahead of me. You were going to go to the poll. Uh, our viewers say 52% Ankalaev, 47% uh, Jan Blachowicz. Wow. So close, really close. Uh, yeah. I love uh, it. Not a, not a runaway for Ankalaev at all. So I have the best viewers in the world, ladies and gentlemen. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. So let's go to the co-main event, the highest probably profile fight on this card where the spotlight is on for sure. The UFC is putting it there. Patty the Batty Pimblet is back. He gets a big spot on pay-per-view, as does his opponent, Jared Gordon. Definitely Pimblet's biggest UFC test by a long margin. Arguably his toughest opponent ever. Pimblet has had, obviously, a lot going on this week, doing the pod with Dana and the aerial stuff before and after. It's still ongoing. MJF, apparently, is going to be in attendance. <laughs> He's been asked by pretty much everybody he spoke with yesterday's media interviews about the aerial thing. Him and Ilya Taporia almost got after it at the press conference. But when it comes to Patty and Jared Gordon, AK, yeah, there's been some disagreements. Maybe some timelines don't line up. Did they roll? Did they not roll? But it's been a pretty respectful build here. So here we go, AK. We got the Wiley UFC veteran taking on pay-per-view Patty. All right, run another poll here for the co-main. So far, very, very early returns. Jared Gordon getting up ahead. Oh, he was up at 67%. It's getting closer now. It's below 60% for Jared Gordon. But uh, yeah, I totally understand the sentiment there. He has a lot of UFC experience. Uh, this will be Jared Gordon's 12th UFC fight. He just beat a grappler in Leonardo Santos, a guy who is, objectively speaking, a, a much better – If in, in just a grappling contest, I would definitely pick Leonardo Santos over Patty Pimblett. I'd pick Leonardo Santos over a lot of people. Um, though I will – let me talk a little bit more about that fight in a minute because there sort of are mitigating factors to – uh, Gordon's win over uh, Santos, which again, impressive, but there's, there's, you know, we can sort of nitpick it a little bit. Um, uh, Gordon, I think just not the kind of guy to be intimidated at all by Patty Pimblett. Um, not, not that to say that, uh, Patty Pimblett's previous opponents were, but Jordan Levitt was kind of very happy to play the trash talk game. It was, it was kind of friendly, uh, maybe, maybe too much. So, um, 
I, I want to see if someone can get sort of the mental edge on Patty because I think that is one of Patty's strengths is, is having the mental edge on people. I think it's about even here with Gordon, and that's a good sign for Jared Gordon going into it. So, and I, and I think a lot of people who've been paying attention to the hype leading up to the fight, it's one of the reasons they're, they're picking Gordon um, again and beyond just that and, and the experience and well-roundedness. Striking, I mean, Gordon's, Gordon's got some pop in his hands. We know Pimblet gets hit a lot. You do get the sense that if, if Gordon gets cooking, it could be bad for Patty. Um, but but overall, like I actually think this is a, a kind of another good piece of matchmaking. I, I won't quite give my pick yet, but I like I, I praise the matchmaking because I think for, for the things uh, the reasons I just listed, and, and as you said, Mike, this on paper is clearly his most difficult, most well known UFC opponent yet, um, and he gains a lot of points if he gets past a guy like Gordon. It doesn't make him like a top twenty UFC lightweight. But even after the the Jordan Levitt win and, and the other guys, Kazula uh, Vargas, other guys that Paddy Pimblett beat, there's still this, you know, his fame so outsizes um, how, how the quality of his actual wins and performances so far. But this is the right step up. Again, really great job by the matchmakers. I always say 3-0 in the UFC is great, but that's, you know, depending who you are and what division you're in. That's when I need to see you step up. Gordon is the right step up. I've joked about Tony Ferguson in the past and guys like that and maybe some bigger names. Um, but if we're being serious about pushing this guy and really properly gauging where he is, Gordon is the right opponent. So huge fan of this. Um, kind of glad it turned out to be the co-main. It was it made for a nice main card piece, but I also we also get to see how big a deal is Paddy Pimblett. We know he's a big deal in London. We know he's a big deal in Las Vegas. So, so big a deal that will he get like the biggest pop, biggest cheer of the night? Will this fight get the biggest reactions? It's quite possible. And uh, it, it, this could uh, not take Paddy Pimblett's start into another level, but prove that he is sort of the the star that uh, the UFC says he is, that he says he is, and uh, slowly nudge him towards uh, maybe a main event of his own someday. Definitely, definitely a fight night. And I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked if he doesn't main event the London card uh, coming up in 2023. Oh, that's a pay-per-view. Yeah, but love- anyway, sorry. Then if they do yeah. a fight night, sorry, they're doing a pay-per-view. He might not main event that. But. I-, I love the matchmaking as well. I think Gordon is in a, in a pretty interesting spot here because obviously he's a competitor. He'd love to stop the Patty train and get a big win. But to me, and maybe you disagree with this, I don't think Gordon has a ton to lose here. I really don't. The spotlight, like he's just sort of attached to Patty and he's at the press conference stuff, but... I think all the eyeballs are on Patty here. So moving forward, AK, I'll probably think differently if Patty wins because he's likely going to have to fight a top 15 guy next in this killer division if he wins this fight. So you can make a case... You can make a case right now that this is a must-win fight for Patty, but if he does win and he goes and fights like... Armand Sarukian next. I don't, I won't feel the same way if that makes any sense. I mean, he's a big betting favorite here. All eyes upon him. A lot of the build for this entire card has been built on the back of Patty Pimblett. And most pundits feel that his style will eventually just catch Jared off guard and he'll get another win. So I guess one of my biggest questions here, and it's not necessarily with the fight, but just in the aftermath of it all, can Patty Pimblett afford a letdown in this spot tomorrow in this particular fight? Yeah, he definitely can. But I, I've been saying this for a while. I, I've been saying that his 
his undefeated record is not as important to him as it is for some other people coming up. Um, it's great. It's great. It's, it's, it's a great thing, especially when you're trying to attract in new fans. Kaiser are just like, oh, who's this Patty Pimblet guy? When he's got like a nice like 2-0, 3-0 UFC mark next to his name, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean that, that, that really helps people attach themselves to a fighter and talk themselves into believing that the fighter themselves isn't just a hype job, isn't just talk. Like, oh, he's in the UFC. He's 3-0. He, he must be good, and he's got, he's got this kind of out there personality. Like I'm into that. Will it look as like will it be as appealing if it's three and one? I mean, it might put a little dent in it, but I think he's already getting sort of that fan base that like they'll follow him no matter what. They'll either make excuses for him or they'll you know they'll support him just because like oh uh, he 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 took a tough loss and depending how he handles it after whether he you know is humble about it or there's all kinds of directions he could go with it. But I I sense I sense he's getting a cultish uh, fan base, and I mean that as a positive for him. I mean if you're a fighter. That's a very good thing. You you want those guys who are just going to ride or die with you. I mean, McGregor is the ultimate example. You reach this point where there's suddenly nothing you can do wrong. You just have this fan base of millions um, that that you could you could lose you could you could not win a fight a relevant fight since like 2016, and they still think, oh, this guy's the goat. This guy's the greatest fighter of all time. I want to see him fight Habib again. Habib ran away from him. Yeah, he beat him once. Um, but uh, why won't he fight him again? Like that's the kind of fan base that uh, Patty Pimblet is going for. He's nowhere near that yet, but you you see the hints of it. I mean, you see the hints of it. The way he talks, just even just the way he talks, his personality. He knows what he's doing. It's very calculated. He has a, a, a organization, organization like bar sport, uh, barstool sports behind him. They're very good at cultivating that kind of that kind of fan base. So the substance is great, but the style is already so powerful that. No matter, I, I said this with Molly McCann too. I don't think her getting washed by like Aaron Blanchfield was the end for her. I think she fights in London, gets a win, the hype, the hype immediately comes back, um, and I think the same is for Patty. He could lose this, get on that pay per view card in London, main event. If they do a, a fight night later uh, in twenty, if they do go back to London again in twenty twenty three, get a, get a fight night main event, um, and he'll be right back uh, right back on the saddle. So I, I have no idea where he's going to go with a win. Like I think a loss. He's still going in plenty of directions. Win, win actually like kind of concerns me. Like you, you, you mentioned like an Armand Sarukian, and I'm like, that's when you're really going to see him. I mean, again, no shame in losing to a guy like that, but then you'll really see that there's there's levels to this, and uh, I'd be concerned. But no, I, I don't think it's a must win for for Patty at all. I think it's I think it's nothing nothing but uh, almost has everything to gain and and just a little bit to lose. I I kind of disagree with that. I, I feel moving forward, like if he does beat Jared Gordon, I think the next fight is not a must win because he'll probably have to fight a Grant Dawson or a Jalen Turner or maybe an Ismagulov or somebody like that. Maybe they throw a Moicano or something like that, but I would pick all of those guys probably to beat Patty right now. And that's okay. I don't think he ha- it's a must win to beat those guys, but the way this is all being built, the stylistic perspective of this matchup, I do feel like he has to win this one. And the big question, AK Pimblet's the minus 245 favorite. The comeback on Jared Gordon, plus 205. Does the undefeated run of Patty the Batty continue, or is he met his match with Jared Flash Gordon? Uh, first of all, that's a silly as hell line. Uh, Jared Gordon should not be a two to one underdog to Patty Pimblet. But also, if you got, if you know, if anyone wants an idea of how gambling works, this is it. Hey, listen, and uh, uh, I don't know if it was Jose or, or Jed or whoever was saying that once just wait, like there's probably still more money that's going to come in live at the casinos as the Patty fans kind of arrive in Las Vegas or just or just get to the casinos and start start hitting the books. 
um, that line can move even further. You could see Gordon move to like plus 250 or something like that. So uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But that shows you how how popular he is because if you've watched both their fights, I mean, the skill gap between them, I think, is very small. I would definitely give Gordon the edge in striking. I would give Pimblet the edge in grappling. Um, I like him more than Leonardo Santos against Jared Gordon because Leonardo Santos was quite a bit older. He retired immediately after. I do feel like he was maybe one foot out the door. Um I also feel like there's a chaos that Paddy Pimblett brings. We've seen this in all in pretty much all three of his excuse me, all three of his UFC fights. Uh, and chaos can really be your friend, uh, uh, at least at least for for a while. Um, that same chaos can come back to bite you. Uh, but I like it against a guy like Jared Gordon. I think um, at some point, I, I like the pace that Paddy Pimblett brings to a fight. So I do think at some point he is going to get takedowns. He is going to start being able to work his submission game. And he is going to submit uh, Jared Gordon. Jared's going to bust him up for sure. There's any moments in the feet where Pimlet gets hit. But he's actually gotten hit quite a lot throughout his career. So uh, maybe Gordon puts him down. But it's tough to do. If he does all the credit in the world, give him that 50 Gs. Because, yeah, Pimlet's really, really tough to, to finish. Um, and if he doesn't, I, I like Pimlet to be the one to finish the fight. So I'm going submission uh, second round. Yeah, this fight. if this fight gets finished, it's getting finished on the patty side. It's definitely getting finished on the patty side. Gordon's won four or five. He's four and two over his last six, but the two losses are to Charles Oliveira and Grant Dawson. And both guys are absolute monsters. So for people who say Gordon isn't going to be competitive here, and I've seen a lot of this, I just don't buy that at all. I think Jared, to your point, AK, about the chaos, I think he's going to have to be near perfect in this one, especially when the chaos happens, because Gordon is the more technical fighter. And if this is a typical run-of-the-mill MMA fight, I think Gordon wins a lot of times, in my opinion. But when Patty Pimblett is involved, it never is one of those. But I think Jared will be ready for that. I, I, I just don't see a world where he's not somewhat prepared for chaos. So I think Patty is going to have a lot of moments in this fight. But if Jared can not just like kind of free... Because most times when Patty invokes the chaos clause, his opponents, they kind of just... They get a little freaked out. They, they wonder how they got in this position because Patty is a sneaky SOB when it comes to the exchanges, when it comes to sweeps, when it comes to grappling, all of that. He just somehow finds the back in ways that not that most fighters can't. And Patty's going to have plenty of opportunities to get those moments. But if Jared can just embrace the chaos, welcome it, and not get caught in some something crazy, I do think he could win this fight. So I've been torn on this one all week. While the pick is not a confident one, I'm going to go with the savviness of Jared Gordon to, what's the word I want to use? To outlast the chaos of Patty Pimblett to win a very, very, very close decision in a competitive fight. But if you're, if you're betting on this fight, you, you cannot money line Patty Pimblett at that price. You absolutely cannot. You can't uh, do it. It's too much. 50, 57% Jared Gordon, 43% Patty Pimblett. So pretty firmly in the Jared Gordon corner so far. Yeah, but I honestly, I think it's – I think with this – if Patty fights anybody, there's going to be a certain – a lot of fans are just going to fade Patty because they don't like him. So I think – I would say like – I'd say like 5 to 6% of that swing is probably for that reason. But I do think this is a closer fight, much closer than the betting odds suggest. Like, Have you seen – I don't think it's 50-50, but it's like 55-45. Have you seen what it is on topology? It's up there. It's like 70. The last time I checked, it was like 73.27 or something like that. It is Am now 80, 87% Pimblet. Golly. Wow. That's disrespectful. 
Uh, yeah, I'm picking Kimball to win. That is that is disrespectful. That is 87. Wow. Um, yeah, didn't expect Mr. that number. But you're right about the fading, Mike. I think I think uh, we'll see this more and more. Uh, we've already seen it. I think some of his previous fights, but definitely after this week. There's going to be a lot of vibes picking against um, Paddy Pimblett. I, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but I will say I think he's, he's done a lot to, yes, keep his name in the headlines, but I think overall hurt his reputation. I'm not someone who believes that all you know publicity is good publicity. Um, the feud with Ariel, just as a nine. I mean, I, I was I was tempted to kind of just like tweet out a picture. I was going to have a picture of Dana White. I was going to have a picture of Ariel. And I was just going to tweet out, one of these guys you know, wants fighters to be paid more. You figure out which one, you know, um, that to me is like should end any discussion. About, I mean, Ariel already ended it on the MMA hour, but just to add my two cents, I don't I don't want to talk about it too much on social media because I don't even want to publicize um, Pat's opinion. I think I reacted to the initial clip that was put out there or I reacted to someone else reacting. But like, I just want that clip and that that whole uh you know attack it's an attack from patty uh with dana white i just want that clip to like go away it was so so stupid and so ridiculous so i hated that and then his press conference behavior pretty deplorable man i mean i don't know how people want to interpret him calling Ilya tapuria a mongrel um but there's almost no good way i mean when you add in him saying like you know oh you don't speak english and that you're not really from you know you don't really represent georgia uh, because you're from another country and things like that. When you add that in and then with the word mongrel, I'm not sure how else to interpret it besides it being like a xenophobic attack. So it's really rough, man. It's like, and there's stuff to like about Patty too. Like I said, I think overall his, his uh, uh, Ariel said on his show um, that he still thinks Patty's a guy who has a good heart underneath it all. But you're talking about a guy now who has a lot of fame, a lot of money, um, has a lot of concerns about how, his public image. And uh, boy, I don't know if he's using his platform as he should. So, so that kind of stuff isn't great. Love when he was talking about the mental health after his last fight and his friend who had, you know, who had had uh, had died from suicide. And that's that stuff's great. You know, I think there's a lot of positivity. Um, but right now, this week was not a it was not a banner week for Mr. Patty Pimblett. And I say this as someone who was I've, I've been a fan of his for a while. So I, I hated seeing uh, seeing a lot of that stuff just come to the forefront in such an ugly way. And um, I don't know. Hopefully, he'll he'll turning it around and have a way to explain himself uh as as after this weekend and uh in the future because we don't the last thing we need in mma is another star at the top who turns out to be just a problematic jag so i don't know yeah uh patty's manager graham boylan did respond uh on instagram it wasn't what we sort of expected it to be it was just He's like, listen, sometimes you read a text message, you kind of read it wrong. And if you feel that way, you should probably just pick up the phone. But then he wished Ariel well, and that was the end of that. But we'll move on. We also have uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Alex Morono. Catchweight bout. Morono stepping in on short notice for Robbie Lawler. But Darren Till is back, AK, facing the surging Drickus Duplessis. And look, AK, all things considered, and I've said this all week, looking at some of the other options in this division, and I just want to say this and get it out of the way. I think DDP is going to win this fight. But in terms of matchmaking and divisional relevance and being realistic and just playing stylistic matchup-wise, this is as good as it gets for Darren Till, in my opinion. Do you agree? Because I feel like if there's any other matchup in the top 15, he's he's in trouble. He's a pretty sizable underdog. But I feel like Drickus Duplessis, while I do feel he's going to win... I feel like Drickus creates opportunities for Darren to 
do what a lot of people hope he will do and get back on track. So do you agree with that, that this is a favorable somewhat matchup for Darren Till for the options that were available to him? And will he get back on track tomorrow night? Yeah, I love it. I mean, he's missed out on a lot of opportunities. I mean, the Jack Hermanson fight twice, I think he's missed out on it now. Um, I, thought that, I thought that was a good fight for him. Uh, Marvin Vittori, of course, went in a great fight. I don't know if they're chums now. They're not going to fight. Not sure what the situation is there. Uh, but DDP, yeah, even beyond a stylistic standpoint, a guy who is undefeated in the UFC so far, uh, came into the UFC with a name, you know, KSW champion, um, two-division champion in his uh, his promotion before that, uh, EFC Worldwide. So he had a lot of kind of hardcore credibility, and now he's backed it up. He's backed it up in the UFC, had some highlights. Uh, it, it almost seems unfair that he even has to fight Darren Till, who's lost four of his past five, um, though he is still a bigger name than Drickus Duplessis. So if you're if you're DDP, you're not even really complaining that much. So yeah, a great piece of matchmaking here. I said at the beginning, I, I, I do feel like the matchmakers did a really good job with this card and just kind of had some bad luck with how some of these matchups fell through. Like Bo Nickel being on here would have been a huge boost. I don't, I don't know where they would. I assume they would have put on the main card. If not, you have him in one of the one of the high high in the prelims. Him and and uh, and Rosas Jr. both uh, on the same card would have been so cool. You just push you could push the next generation of the UFC. Um, but we didn't get that, did we? We didn't get that. So instead, we have some we still have some solid matchups like Darren Till versus Drakus Duplessis. Um, I'm 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 with you, Mike. I'm picking DDP all the way. I just did you listen to? Did did you have a chance to listen to all, all of No Bets Bar this week? I listened to like half of it. Sure. If people want to hear an all-time ethering or takeovering of a fighter, if you're so inclined, whichever diss track you prefer, your diss track of choice, uh, or, or hit him upping someone, listen to Jed Mishu and Connor Brooks go in on poor Darren Till. Uh, this, there is a segment on this show. You can just fast forward to whatever that fight because they go fight. Or BTL yesterday. Or BTL yesterday. Uh, I didn't not, see that. Maybe, I assume maybe, it continued. It might have been worse. It might have been worse I, than BTL yesterday. <laughs> He, they 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 uh, correctly pointed out he has only won one fight in the past uh, four years uh, or 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 uh, even less. And I, Mike, I believe you yourself also questioned the Stephen Thompson win on heck of a morning. You were you said uh, you didn't see how anyone in their right mind could have scored the Stephen Thompson fight uh, for Darren no. Till. So he could theoretically be on a six fight losing streak. The Kevin Gaslam fight, whatever, uh, pretty forgettable. If you want to give him that win, that's fine. It wasn't like controversial. It just was kind of a nothing burger of a fight. Um, so one in five at worst, uh, if we're if we're taking away the Wonder Boy win, and then uh, uh, Jed and. and Connor started going in on his press opponents: Wendell De Oliveira, Bojan Velikovic, Justin Ayari. Yes, not a murderer's row. But still guys he fought in the UFC, still guys that he he handled pretty well. Uh, the Cowboy win, yeah, arguably his best win against a guy who's considerably smaller than him. So they really, it's really been a rough go for Darren Till, uh, not just missing out on fights, but also the public perception. Um, maybe he was overhyped from the beginning, sure. You know, maybe he got a favorable path to uh, that UFC title fight and now – for better or for worse, he is forever known as a as a former UFC title challenger. I mean that you cannot take that away from him now. Uh, maybe and maybe he's been riding that for longer than he should be allowed to. Um, but uh, boy, it, it's 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 pretty amazing. Um, good for him that he's still prominently featured on main cards. But also, man, there's a lot of people who I think are are not giving him much of a chance on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, and and I said this on Heck of a Morning as well. Even though it was a loss, his best performance to me was against Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. That was the best Darren Till we've ever seen. Heard of Rob? I mean, yeah, that was it. Was just a great fight. 
I went back and watched it. It's super fun. It's very competitive. Rob Rob wins. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but really fun fight. We saw a really good version of Darren Till in that fight. Let's see if he can sort of bring that style back and have that kind of a performance against a surging guy in Drinkus Duplessis. Very interesting fight. A lot of questions that need to be answered. I do want to touch on Ilya Tapoya versus Bryce Mitchell, if we could, AK, because... I don't know how you feel. This is the best fight of the weekend. This is the most intriguing fight of the weekend. It's the main card opener. And with this featherweight division in the state that it's in right now, there's a ton on the line for both of these guys. And what's been interesting about this fight week build, and you talk about the perception of Patty Pimblett in some people's eyes, I feel like a lot of people look at Ilya Teporia that he might have his eye off the prize a little bit. Like, I'm not sure if I really believe that, but he's it's it's mostly because of the Patty stuff and the press conference. Like maybe he's focused on Patty and not on Bryce. There's some video that I was told about. I haven't seen it uh, where he's drinking wine before weigh in or before his weight cut or whatever, which I don't really care about, but some people feel like he's just spent this week overlooking the task at hand and overlooking Bryce Mitchell as an opponent. And if he is a K Holy cow, is it going to be a rough night for him? But I don't know if I necessarily buy that. All I want to say before I let you give your thoughts on it, this fight freaking rules. I hate to go to intangibles to like as as the main factor in picking a fight, but it really does feel like he is not focused on Bryce Mitchell. Um, the fight is awesome. The fight is awesome. No one can dispute that. Um, it is the... Uh, it, it, it is the best fight on the card. Um, as much as I love the main event, Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tapuria is the best fight in the card. Both guys could be future uh, UFC title challengers. I'd be surprised if neither of them ever did. I, I would almost guarantee that one of them does fight for the UFC title someday. Um, whether it, whether it's the winner or loser of this fight, you never know. The winner could go on and, and get a you know top uh, suddenly have to face you know top five, top seven, eight competition and falter, while the the loser might be able to bounce back and sort of um, you know get some comeback fights and then have a different path to the title. But I think one of these guys, they're both so talented um, that and 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 they're the right age where I think like man, uh, at some point, at some point, one of them is fighting for UFC gold. But I do hate. Uh, I, I'm not saying Tapuria had a choice. I mean, he, he, listen, this at press conference, these things happen all the time. Some of our most memorable moments are between people who aren't even booked to fight each other. Uh, who the F is that guy, of course, uh, between Conor McGregor, Jeremy Stevens, among many, many, many other um, sort of co- confrontations between people who aren't opponents. Uh, but I, but again, this isn't the first time. I mean, Elliot Tapuria and Patty have had a lot of run-ins before, and that is concerning to me. Um, I guess if you want a case to go against what I'm arguing, you could say, well, look at Leon Edwards and Masvidal. You know, they've kind of had a war of words. They had the three-piece Minnesota incident, and Leon's, Ed- Leon's career has been just fine since that happened. And that's fair. But I think at this stage, it's it's a little too early for Ilya to be having so many pigs on the iron. Um, so I, I, if listen, if he loses to Bryce Mitchell, it's because Bryce Mitchell's the better fighter. Um but I just think that adding this level of distraction to everything that's going on, when we're talking about probably the biggest fight of Ilya's career so far, it, it cannot be a good thing. So I would love to see Ilya and Patty fight someday, but it kills me that like that fight probably is just never going to happen. Um, even though Ilya could go up to lightweight, it just probably isn't going to happen. Uh, and then all this talk is just for nothing. And it's it's pretty ugly talk too. It's not like fun fight hype talk. It's again, like I said, it's nasty. It's nasty stuff. So uh, I'm not crazy about it. And hopefully Ilya, I'm completely wrong. And Ilya is just focused on the task at hand and we get the uh, fight of the night that we're expecting. I'm surprised you didn't say your favorite thing about this fight was that 
Bryce Mitchell is listed on the UFC website as 15 and one because they counted his <laughs> ultimate fighter semifinal loss. Well, well, well. Vindication, say, oh, right? Vindication. Ultimate fighter. Ultimate fighter doesn't matter anymore, eh? Well, guess what? It matters. It freaking matters. Uh, I'm not, you know what's funny is, and I, I mentioned that because uh, our uh, Brendan Fitzgerald, the wonderful Brendan Fitzgerald, offered a clarification on social media because people were asking what is up with Bryce Mitchell's record, and uh, Brendan Fitzgerald said, "Yeah, as far as we're told, we're to count semifinal Ultimate Fighter bouts as uh, as uh, wins and losses on their record because semifinal bouts are three round affairs. Um, every other fight before that is usually a two rounder." So I guess that's that's okay. It makes sense. I, I actually don't like it. I actually don't like counting Ultimate Fighter fights. They're ex, they're called exhibitions. They're called exhibitions. Um, as far as I know, they don't get paid for those fights like they would a normal UFC fight. So I don't think it should count on their record equally. It's also just a, such a weird set of circumstances. You're on a reality show. You're in this house. Like I get it. A fight's a fight. But for me, there's so many extenuating circumstances that I'm fine with Bryce Mitchell saying like, yeah, I don't count that fight. I'm, I don't know what his, his stance on it, but if he said, yeah, I'm fine with, I want to be considered 15 and 0, I don't consider that ultimate fighter loss, like a loss. I'd be like, yeah, that's okay. It's, it's a, it's, it's so different. It's such a weird um, situation. So yay, yay to the ultimate fighter mattering in a tangible way, according to the UFC. But nay, if again, if you guys follow, watch people, watch the show, they know it's like you, you would understand why it probably shouldn't count towards a pro record. It's not, if they want to count it, if the UFC wants to count as a pro record, then pay them pro money when they're when they're taking those fights to Ultimate Fighter House. Then by all means, count it for their record. But if they're not getting a full pro pay for that, no man, that's not it's not on their record. Yeah, it's fifteen and zero against twelve and all. That's the way I'm looking at it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, Low-key banger, AK, before we get to the peeps. Oh. It's not low-key, so I'm skipping Chris Curtis Buckley. Like, I think that's a high-key banger. I'm, I'm skipping that. I am so intrigued, Mike, by RRJ, uh, Raul Rosas Jr. versus Jay Perrin. I'm intrigued, man. I just um, – I, I know I know this is uh, this seems like a sensible piece of matchmaking. You know, you have uh, Jay Perrin, who's a solid guy, but doesn't have like an overwhelming record. He's got the experience, and then you have this blue chipper in Rosas Jr., the youngest signing ever at seventeen, just recently turned eighteen, is still in high school. If if he puts on a, like a dominant performance, even if it's like a dominant three rounder. Um, against Jay Perrin, I'll be impressed. I'll be impressed. It's it's certainly a matchup that's made um, by the UFC to uh, you know to challenge Rosas, but also to give him the chance to shine. So it's not like he's beating like a top you know forty guy in his division or anything like that. Um, but he is being given an experienced older fighter, and that can that is tough, man. I mean, I don't want to bring up uh, necessarily Aaron Pico and uh, who was his first opponent? Zach um, Mike, what was that guy? Freeman. Zach Freeman, thank Zach you. Freeman. 
I apologize, Zach, if you're out there, I apologize for, for forgetting that. Um, Zach Freeman, because that's a different situation. I mean, Pico was his first pro fight. It was, it's probably is in the weight class he really wasn't meant to be competing in. It was a lightweight bout. So there's it's different circumstances than this Jay Perrin, uh, Raul Rosas thing. But Rosas also is just so young. I don't know what to expect, but everyone who knows about him says, listen, he's used to the, he's used to fighting under pressure. Um, he's just been competing for so long. Uh, even if he's never fought in a situation like we're going to see at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, like, don't worry, he'll be ready for it. I want to believe all that. I want to believe, believe all that. But I also have to see it proven. So the beauty of it is we get to see it proven uh, on Saturday night in the uh, featured preliminary bout. Nice little spot, that first fight before the pay-per-view. That's a, that's a hell of a vote of confidence from the UFC. Yeah, I like the matchmaking. It's the exact fight I chose after Rosas got signed. Love Ought it. no point for uh, you, sir. Ought no point for the man, Mike Heck. That's right. Jay Perrin <laughs> is uh, a guy I've been watching for years. Uh, New England guy getting his opportunity. I don't know if it's like do or die for him. I don't know if it's one of those situations kind of like Jamie Pickett fighting Bo Nickel where it's just like, all right, we kind of know what you're trying to do here, but – we don't know if it actually happens. I like the fight. My biggest question is, will there be just a an adrenaline dump from Raul Rosas Jr.? Because what he did to Mando Gutierrez, he could do to Jay Perrin. He could do that all 15 minutes. He could just chuck him around and advance position and beat him up. He could do it, 100%. But if he starts to take his foot off the gas pedal, Jay is a monster when it comes down to that. Watch Jay's last fight. Jay's last fight, he was in trouble. He was down two rounds. Didn't didn't look like the the fight was going well against Richie Lang. Comes back big third round. You know, had that been a five round fight, Perrin probably wins that fight. So Jay's a dog, and I think that just his ability to just love to scrap, I think that kind of makes him live in this fight. I do think Rose is going to win. I'm just super impressed with the kid. I have been even before the contender series fight. And I think Mondo Gutierrez is a really good fighter. Like I thought that was, I actually thought heading in that that matchup was a little too much for Raul. I'm like, all right, Mando's pretty good, man. And he's a dog too. And Raul just kind of chucked him around the building for, for 15 minutes. But yeah, I understand that. I'm actually going with Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley as the low key banger. Cause no one's talking about this fight. AK maybe because of Rose's making his debut and some of the, compelling main card storylines and everything that happened with the main event but that fight's awesome there's a beef there both guys used to train together Joaquin Buckley likes doing these gym beef rivalries did it with glory now he's doing it with extreme couture Chris Curtis flies the extreme couture flag proudly so yeah that fight ain't going to the judges I don't think so we did have one hiccup on the scale Daniel La Silva weighed in in the first 15 minutes of the of the official weigh-ins this morning Misses weight by three pounds. His flyweight run could be over. His UFC run could also be over. And it probably would have been over with the loss to Venetia Salvador tomorrow. That fight was slated to be on a scheduled. De Silva was going to forfeit 20% of his purse. But now it's on boot because the fight is off the card altogether. And unfortunately for no bets barred nation, no flyweight under bet to be made. On the <gasps> is that right? That was the only flyweight no. fight? That was it. Oh, and that was such that was so going under too. Oh, 100%. That was definitely going under. 100%. Oh no. Oh no. Definitely and, going uh, under. I don't think I don't by the I I uh I know you said uh, if he lost he definitely went out. I think he's out anyway. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's if we're he's out. Silva back in the UFC. No. But he is an exciting fighter. So, he doesn't put on many fights. He's a get get or get got kind of a guy. <laughs> yeah. 
who knows? We'll see what happens. So uh, let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. 3024, E. Casey Lydon. Hello, Casey. Hi, everybody. Just um, enjoying right. your your delightful conversation about um, the UFC pay-per-view. Just, you know, learning a lot. Learning a lot about Jay Perrin. I was about, I was about to say, it's like, I, I, he's... We watch so many fights, and unfortunately, I can't lie, like, I don't remember his fights. I know he's 0-2 in the UFC. I just have a hard time remembering his fights. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he <laughs> fought – this dude fought Mario Batista on, like, five days' notice and went the full distance, and Mario Batista just usually puts dudes out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go watch, like, a, a good, like, example of what I'm talking about with Jay, go – it's probably on Fight Pass. Uh, go watch CES 64 – he fights Josh Smith for the Bantamweight title. And Josh just kind of puts the boots to him in the first round. And then Perrin just changes the momentum. And at that point, like Josh just had a incredible adrenaline dump. Like he just mm-hmm. gave it all. It was just like, okay, I'm done. And Perrin's just like, I know you're done. And he just put it on him and ended up tapping him in the second round. Um, so that's like a prime example of where Jay could be the most dangerous in this fight. Like if you have him in bad at a bad spot and you just unload and just waste all of your energy on trying to get him out of there. If you don't get him out of there, could be a problem. Could be a very big problem. You know, and, and that that's a that's a very uh, important a very important aspect of a fighter, and that's something we don't know about um, Roses Junior. Like, uh, as far as I can tell, he's been he's he's pretty much dominated all of his fights, right? He's never really had to come from behind or at all, at all. I mean, I didn't see his early fights, but it seems like he's been a front runner. So it'd be interesting if. Um, he has to take a step back and kind of, you know, go face some adversity. And um, it's a big fight. Um, it's, it, I, I like it, though. I like, I like what the UFC is doing. Um, perfect matchmaking. Perfect. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, uh, I dig it. That's, a, that, that's, what, that's, that's what the UFC is supposed to do. They're supposed to build stars, and they see Rose as a star. Roses has a star. And they put him in, a, in arguably the most watched fight of the night, you know. This, uh, that fight will have the most eyes on it, but regardless of the pay-per-view sales. Yeah. Surely. So, all right. All right, let's take some, some questions from the peeps. Uh, and uh, by the way, let me just throw this out there while Casey looks for the questions. Um, look, I get it. It's the holiday season. You just bought a pay-per-view a month ago. <laughs> PFL just had a pay-per-view, and maybe you dropped to 50-plus dollars on that card. And you're just like, look, I got holiday shopping to do. I just can't buy it. Like, I can't buy this one. And I'm not telling you to watch it through nefarious beans. What I am telling you is you can watch with us. Like, you could just hang out with me and GC live on this here channel, 945 Eastern. We're going to go live, and we'll tell you what the hell is happening. And breaking news, when Patty Pimble fights Jared Gordon – my best friend, AK Lee, he's going to join us. He's going to join us. So we'll have some fun. We'll do some fun activities, special guests along the way. So if you don't want to spend the $78 after taxes, all good. We have you covered. We'll see you at 945 Eastern tomorrow. But let's go to the questions. Joe Saboza, is Darren Till fighting for his job? He has lost four of his last five fights. Like Jed said on Thursday, he hasn't had a great win since Donald Cerrone five years ago. Do you think it's that dire here, AK? I, I don't know if it's that dire because Darren is still a very popular guy. He still evokes emotion, if you will, whether you love him or hate him, and most people seem to love him. Do you feel like a loss of Jurgis Duplessis, like the UFC is just be like, all right, dude, you're cut. I don't know. if Do you think it goes that far? 
they have a card in London coming up, so no. Um, he uh, he's only twenty nine. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that sound is weird. Crazy. He's only twenty nine. He hasn't even turned. He turns thirty. He turns thirty in a few weeks. But either way, thirty still young. He's not like super old in fight years. He's got a good resume. Twenty something wins. A lot of injuries. Um, I do wonder. Like <laughs> that's, that was a weird. That was a weird one. It's like you know he has lots of great wins. He's only twenty nine. Lots of injuries. Like I didn't say. Hold on. I, I hold on. I didn't say he had a lot of great wins. Let's let's oh, be clear. Oh, I said he, oh, I said he has a lot of fights. Okay. I, sorry, of, I did not say he's a lot of great wins because uh, he because he certainly does not. Um, it, it's it's so weird to write him off, but also at some point I I, I imagine he started when he was younger as well. Let me see, do some math here. He started turned pro twenty thirteen, so he's twenty one years old, um, and was pretty active early on. Looks like he fought like eight times in his first year of competition, and then obviously you know got to the UFC fairly quickly within the first few years and was fighting good competition. So um, in fight years, he's he's not old. He's not old, but he's older than twenty nine. Um, I I he's the kind of guy. Honestly, he would really benefit from a step back in competition because these are good fighters he's lost to. Like as much as we crap on him, Derek Brunson's top five, top six middleweight. Um, Rob Whitaker, top three middleweight. Top two. Yeah. Top two. Calvin Gaslam was a top, top I believe was a top 10 or top 15 middleweight at least when they fought each other. Masvidal later fought for the UFC title twice. Uh, Teron Woodley was the UFC champion. That was title fight. So, and then Stephen Thompson's a great fighter. So those were his last six fights. I get it. You reach his level of stardom. This is how the UFC works. You don't, you, there, there is no tune-up. We've said this many times. There is no tune-up fights. There is no going back to the middle of the pack and they match you up with other up-and-comers and let you like pad your record with some some cool, some good decision wins, some some highlight reel knockouts. The UFC just doesn't do that. I think they should with a guy like Till because again, he has a fan base. Um, but I think they will be more than happy to let him go. Is this a must-win? No. Uh, like I said, they have a card coming up in London, a pay-per-view. I think they'll definitely throw him on there. <laughs> But after that, depending who he fights on that card, depending how he looks in that fight, um, depending if he even makes it to that card, you know, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, no more injuries, and he may, he's he makes it, he's healthy enough after this fight and can make it to that London card. Um, depending on that, twenty twenty three, then we're really talking about he needs a win, uh, and or we might not see him in the UFC in twenty twenty four. What do you think, Casey? Also on this card before a few hours ago was Daniel De Silva. Daniel De Silva had is on he's 0-3 in the UFC with three straight finishes and he was still on this card. So Darren Till is good. He's he can get knocked out in the first two seconds of this fight and I think he's still good because of that exact same that exact thing you said about UFC London card coming up. Now if he loses on this card and looks bad especially the London card that we we have a different conversation then, but I think for this card, he his job his job safety his job security is good on this card. But um, but if he loses in this card, if, if he does lose in this card, as, as far as like the prospects of Darren Till being an elite middleweight, yeah, that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be a tough argument. Um, yeah, uh, but you know what? Right now, Patty Pimlet isn't an elite lightweight yet. You know, there's there's lots of room to be just an entertaining. I'm really good on the mic, and I guess it, I, I, as long as you're entertaining on the mic in the press conferences and people still click your interviews, I think he'll be good for a while. Um, yeah, so I, I think he's no matter what happens tomorrow. Basically, long story short, he's safe. Yeah, beating Terrence Hill still has value. It still has yeah. value. Do you like this matchup? It's, you know, well, actually, okay, you do not like Perfect. this matchup. 
You think this matchup is good though? You don't think this should be a tune-up no. fight for Mr. Till? Or is this or is this just the oh. UFC going, you know what? Hey, if Darren Till loses, we have a new star in uh uh DV, uh DDP. Was that DDP? Yeah, DDP. Yeah, yeah no, for yeah. sure. It's like like I said, that that aspect of it is good because uh, like competition-wise, I think DDP could do a lot better than Darren Till, but name-wise, Darren Till is considerably more famous than DDP, so he has so DDP plenty of gain, plenty to gain with a win here. Um, Darren Till, any win at this point for him is good, especially one over a guy who's undefeated in the UFC so far, who was a star in KSW, who was a star in EFC, you know, gl- uh, gl- worldwide before that. Like a guy who just has clearly looks like a world uh, world title contender. He, look, he looks uh, the part, he fights the part. He, he looks the fight. He, he looks the part. He fights the part, and um, he, uh, yeah. I mean, do you think he can get the rub if he beats Till though? Sure. Uh, yeah, I do. I do too. Yeah. I do too. It's a name win. It's win-win match. This is this is win-win matchmaking. It's win-win exactly. matchmaking. Yeah. Like Darren wins. He's back. Big win. Hardcore fans know who Drickus is. The casuals don't, but they all know who Darren Till is. Darren's back on track. And if Drickus wins, wow, he beat Darren Till for the casual audience. Like that's a big deal. He gets the name rub much more than like he beating Brad Tavares. Is, is a good win like that is a that's a good solid win but as soon as the candle like was flickered on and that fight ended i mean it was gone it just someone blew it out and that was it and then that's like he didn't gain a whole hell of a lot they obviously he gets a darren till fight but even like from a stylistic perspective like darren could win like darren matches up pretty well with Drickus. i just don't think he'll win like Darren could knock him out. Drickus has defensive discrepancies, especially on the feet, that lead to openings for Till, which is why I like this fight so much because it is winnable for Till. I just think after a certain amount of time, Darren's just gonna be like, "Holy cow! I can't stop! Like this guy just won't slow down. He's just gonna keep coming at me with hands and feet." And eventually, I think he gets taken out of there. But who knows? Maybe all this time with Hamza Shemaev and working at these different gyms, going to Thailand and working with Marvin Vittori and some of those guys and the Sarukians of the world and all the different like high level guys he's training with. Maybe this is just what he needed. And you, like you said, 29, he's knocking, he's like right in the midst of his athletic prime right now. So maybe the time off was good for him. We'll see what happens. I don't think he wins, but it is a fight he can win for sure. <laughs> I, have, I have a question real quick. For you guys, there are th- I just noticed this. There are three middleweight fights on this card. Do you like the matchmaking for all three of those fights? Because I can see all three of these fights. You can kind of mix them up, and they'll still be good fights. But do you agree with the three, uh, the yeah, the three middleweight fights? Like the matchmaking on that. Hundred percent. Hundred. The three middleweight fights on this card? Yeah, Shabazian versus uh, oh. I'm I'm not, I'm just yeah. saying Dal- Dalcha. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Curtis they're excellent. Buckley. Excellent. So I, I was just Mid- thinking, like, uh, or maybe like, I mean, like, because you're talking, because AK was like, no, God, Till's getting the toughest guy on here, but maybe Till versus Buckley would that have been a better fight for Till? I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious how the UFC does things, and um, yeah, I mean, if if like if. If Buckley beats Curtis and Till loses, you could do that fight because Till will be kind of in that just fun scrap position at that point, which is like just throw him in there with fun guys. But Buckley, Buckley's not a star, but Buckley doesn't 
necessarily need the rub right now because he gave himself the rub when he just destroyed Impica Sang and I with one of the most ridiculous knockouts you'll ever see. Like Joaquin Buckley will be in every UFC highlight package forever because of that knockout. Drickus hasn't had that moment yet. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I like all three. I like all three of these fights. You know, you know, with Brendan Allen having recently taken the uh, middleweightiest middleweight title from Christoph Jocko, it's 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 really it's up for grabs. I mean, I don't uh, <laughs> Jocko held that crown for so long, but I feel I really feel like we could have a contender emerge from this card uh, to challenge Brendan Allen for that uh, middleweightiest middleweight title, the illustrious um, MW MW belt. So uh, we'll see. It could be Edmund Shabazian. Edmund Shabazian, if he finally gets has a comeback, finally gets a win, uh, another big finish. You want to throw him in there with Brendan Allen? God no. I'm just saying. We'll let we'll let the people decide. No, let's build him back up. Give him a couple wins, then you can throw him in there with Brendan. I just want to answer this real quick. I've seen a couple variations of this. Is Patty the Batty another hype job? Yes. That is the UFC's job. To that's do. good. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, exactly. They that's a compliment. Hype. Yeah, that's yeah. a compliment. So, come hype you know, job, but that means you know he's doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the hype job. Darren Till was a hype job. That's how these things work. You know, who was a hype job if it, if he had strung together more wins? Sage Northcut. Sage Northcut would have been a hype job. Yeah, it's a hype. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We want them Page to do Van the hype job. Paige Van Zandt. Paige Van Zandt. Raul Rosas is a hype job. Raul Rosas is a hype job. Yeah. That that's that is what the. That's what the UFC does. That like when people say the type jobs like it's a bad thing. It's like no, that's all those promos, all those fancy lights, everything. All you know, Dana going on everyone's podcast talking about you're just this kid's so tough. You know, that's that's what they're supposed to do. You know, so uh, yeah. yeah, hype job's not necessarily a negative thing. You know who else is a hype job right now? And this is as positive as it gets. Hamza Shemaev is a hype job. Yeah, he's sure. been a hype job since his first UFC fight. That's what you want to be. Like, if you're a fighter, you want to be a hype job. You want to be a hype job. And our point is, hype job does not mean you can't be an actual, like, legitimate champion. Like, you you want, you should start off as a hype job, and then, you know, you eventually become, you eventually become a title winner. So, hype hype job does not mean, like, a fraud. It means you're being properly built up. Conor McGregor, hype job. Conor McGregor, the ultimate. (laughs) The ultimate, the ultimate hype job. He won two UFC titles. Yeah. All right. You got a title fight after beating Dennis Seaver. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, that's like the definition of it. Uh, where did Hernandez find the extra 10 pounds? Did he drop a kidney or something? Great that's question. A great question. Uh, he was shredded. Easy peasy, man. Easy peasy. Yeah. He, he looked smiling. He was smiling. He was like the third guy on the scale. Maybe the second. Good for him. Maybe I think maybe he, uh, he was carrying some beach muscle. You know what I mean? He's yeah, probably no, carrying he, some beach muscle. He could have shedded, you know, it's a little cosmetic muscle. He likes to look good on the scale of 155. And he's, I mean, he still looked incredible at 145 as when I saw him weigh in. Um, yeah, I could see it, but uh, probably not a lot of fun, though. I don't know. I, I was telling Casey he has fought at featherweight before the UFC, like a, two or three fights at featherweight before. But also, he was that was many years ago. He was a younger man then, so I'm not sure how enjoyable this cut down to 145 is now. But he was smiling again; looked like he was still in incredible shape at featherweight. Uh, so now it's about uh, the performance. We'll see how the performance is. and does not have an easy one. I mean, he might even if he is at uh, at peak performance, he's facing Billy Corintillo. That's a hell of a tough welcome back to to 145. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is a make or break for Hernandez, but. Uh... Yeah, this is a tough fight. Um, Billy Hughes been out for almost a, y- a year. Is it a year he's been out? How long? Yeah, he hasn't fought since the Shane Burgos fight, right? Yeah, since Shane Burgos lost. Um, 
it's yeah. He did. They did. Yeah. UFC did not come back to an easy fight. I mean, he's on Billy Q's unranked fighter, but um, I re- I'm really excited for this fight. I, I've, I'm, I'm a big fan of Billy Q's fighting style, so uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how Hernandez looks. I have no, I have no, I have no real prediction for this. I just don't know what to expect, but I do, I do like this matchup. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's Hernandez gets him out early, or Billy Q wins a decision. That's the way I look at it. Oh. Talk about this gentleman. Edmund is fighting for the first time since he left Ronda Rousey's one fight management and changed gyms. I know he lost three in a row. Should be wondering if Edmund's back is against the wall this week. Probably not. You love oh, these I questions, do. Joseph. You love these. Joseph thinks everyone. He just wants to. He wants die. He wants more. Loser questions. leaves town. Loser leaves town. <laughs> match. What have you done for me lately? Uh, I actually, I actually do think he's he's might be out. I do think he might be out. I think I think this is a pretty favorable matchup. Um, he's done. He said all the right things. You know, I've I've put that team behind me. I'm a I'm a, I'm, I'm a new man. He's a young guy. And it's not saying he can never come back to the UFC, but I think this might be one of those cases where he loses. The UFC says, "Hey, better luck next time. Let's part ways for now. We have your number. You have our number. We'll stay in touch. Go back onto the regional scene. Go get some wins. Go get some highlights, and we'll we can bring you back." He's only 25 years old, so. Um, uh, he just he just and it, he just turned 25. Well, yeah. He just turned 25 a month ago. So maybe just the UFC is isn't the right place for him right now. But I, I expect him to win. So um, it, probably a moot yeah. point. But I do think I do think if he loses though, um, yeah, maybe, maybe better just uh, take a break from each other. If he does, I mean, if he does lose, he's losing essentially to. I don't want to say it, but most likely the the worst middleweight in the UFC. Unfortunately, he's on a three fight losing streak. Uh, his opponent is you know, his biggest win was Marcus Perez in 2021. Um, Shabazzin just if he should, if he's UFC caliber, he needs to win this fight, especially after three uh, was it three straight losses, three straight bad losses too, but against just really good opponents. So, but, but this is the kind of I, I guess this is what AK was saying earlier. Should Till should Till have come back to like someone like uh, Dolce or no, he nope. can't. He can't. He's already just fought because, for the belt. Just because once you fight money. for the title, that's the way UFC works. You, you're just there. Yeah. You always have to be there. Yeah. Shabazzian's 25. He's, like, on a second contract, maybe. He's probably ain't making a ton of money. Like, we could work to build this guy back up. Uh, and this is perfect match. Like, this is exactly oh, no, this what is, you do. This is, this is yeah. awesome matchmaking. Dolce for, ain't going to shoot. For Edmund, for Edmund. Dolce ain't <laughs> shooting. Yeah, Dolce ain't shooting any takedowns here. These two are just going to have a kickboxing match, and Edmund's probably going to win it. So we'll see what happens. He should win it. But, yeah, if he loses to Dolce, it's probably not good, but I just don't expect that to happen. So Yeah. uh, Take two more. Two more. Oh. Or one more. Whatever we got. If anyone is in a must win, I think it has to be Raul Jr., especially with the risk the UFC took on such a young kid. I don't agree with that, really. Um, maybe it's it, how because he's eighteen. This. Yeah, I mean, if if he just gets absolutely wrecked tomorrow by Jay Perrin, that's bad. But if he loses, the way I see him losing is that he wins the first two rounds, maybe even gets like a ten eight on Jay Perrin early, and then he just gasses out and Jay picks him apart and finishes him. Like just one of those moments where it's like, oh my god. 
like I was so fired up and that like just an incredible adrenaline dump. Like I feel like if he loses, that's the way it happens. Now, if Jay comes in and just takes him out in the first 90 seconds, not good. But I guess I agree with you to a, to a certain point, like how he loses. But if he loses, that's how I see him losing is that he just he just goes bananas for two rounds and just can't get Jay out of there. And then he gets tired, has that adrenaline dump, and then Jay comes back and puts him away. Like, that's the only way I see him losing this fight. No disrespect to Perrin. He's a dog. But this is exactly why they booked this matchup for this exact reason. So I don't think it's a must win. Um, but it wouldn't be a great start. That's for sure. I almost wish they hadn't put so much pressure on it by making it the featured prelim. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's kind of the placement that were questionable to me. Uh, this isn't, like I said, 18-year-old kid, so many variables, so many things we don't know about this guy, so many things he doesn't know about himself. Um, he's 18. Um, but, yeah, uh, probably not a must-win, but uh, to say he has some of the most pressure on him to, like, put on a great performance on this card, yeah, I mean, he's in the top three. He's in the top three. Tons of pressure. I know this is a weird one, but I think there's actually more pressure on Dana White in the UFC hmm. that Raul Jr. looks good. Because of the how featured this fight is on the the main event for the prelims on ESPN or whatever, so if if Earl Jr. comes in there and just looks like an eighteen year old kid getting beaten up by a full grown man, you know, it looks bad. Which I know I don't think any of us see it, but it's a fight. Things happen. Um, I think that would just actually look worse on the UFC rather than Earl Jr. I think for Earl Jr. we're just gonna go. Ah, he just, you know, that's, you know, sucks for him. But we're going to be kind of questioning. It's like, dude, should, should we have these 18-year-old kids fighting on big cars like this? You know, in, in you know, full-on cage fights? I don't know. So that, that, that's, that's why I feel. So, he has so much experience fighting, though. Even though he's 18, he has so much experience fighting. Like, the one, the one thing I, that worries me is just the stage. Because I think skill-wise, the kid is fantastic. I mean, yeah, he's no, fought legit fighting, but not at this stage, though. He hasn't, not, he hasn't fought this many fights on this stage, and it is right. different. So it's yeah, not... So. No, I agree, and that's that's my biggest question. Because if this fight's in an empty arena at the Apex, I think Rose oh, yeah. Jr. will it's win convincingly. Yeah. But Jay's, Jay's tough as hell, man. And that's like his best... That's his best attribute in this, in this fight, is that he's a dog. And that you just got to hope that Raul... Because Raul's going to, like, pick him up and suplex him a few times. Like, it's going to happen. He's going to take him down. He's going to lift him up over his shoulder. There's going to be some big moments for Raul with some big offense and some some risk-taking. But can he do it for 15 straight minutes? That's, uh, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tough fight. Um, anything else? That it? What else we got here? Uh, by the way, 69% know Darren Till will not be UFC title contender someday. I, I threw that poll up about uh, 15 minutes ago. Hard no that he is not going to be not be fighting for a UFC title again. So I don't know what that says for his UFC future. Well, all right. You can hit the music, Casey. I think we are done. We've, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about this car. We'll talk more about it tomorrow as well. People's pre-fight show, as of right now, scheduled for 5.15 p.m. Eastern, but who knows? With the losing of the fight, maybe they push the start time back. I doubt they will, especially after what happened at UFC Orlando. So, 5.15, Jed Mishu, Casey Lydon, maybe somebody else. I don't know. 
And then watch party tomorrow. We'll have all your post-fight coverage. Jose and Shaheen Alshadi will be in Las Vegas. So all the winner interviews will be on YouTube. And uh, that's it. Bellator going down tonight as well. It's a fun weekend to be an MMA fan. That's for sure. But for Casey, for AK, I am Mike Keck. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.